From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small batch and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond. Friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other. Through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there is huge curiosity surrounding these topics. And we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared. And we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of correction. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> From uniforms to unicorns. Hey, Lauren here. Just wanted to remind you that some of the things that Sharon and I and our guests talk about on this podcast can have adverse effects or bring on triggers for experiences that you have had in the past. So we just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning before you listen to any of the podcast episodes and say, take care of yourself. And thank you again for being here and listening. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been forever and a day. Yeah, absolutely. It has. We both were had some cold, some kid shit come up, you know, like hockey playoffs, dance competitions. We just haven't been able to pull it together here, my friend, but we did today. We did today. (laughs) You know, it's bad when my almost 14 year old is like, are you you and Lauren still podcasting, mom? Yeah, we are, kid. (laughs) she's our little agent Uh, (laughs) like gets our butts back in gear starts talking about it so we don't let things go by the wayside because we are and I don't like to say busy but you know our schedules are full and Mm-hmm. Some weeks go by and I'm like, shit, we didn't podcast. We didn't podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited about today. We were just talking before we started recording and uh, yeah, go ahead. You go ahead, my friend. Okay. So we've got, today we've got Jillian Welton with us. Uh, Lauren and I worked with her at Edmonton Institution for Women and uh, we've always kind of kept in contact along the way and Jillian reached out to us and said, hey, I want to be on the podcast. So we're super excited and it's so awesome that you're here. Um, Jill, like everybody say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi guys. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Sun's shining today. It's beautiful out. So yeah. And we were just saying, and you are living in the wonderful and beautiful Prince Albert. Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, yes. <laughs> Can't spell paradise without the PA. Yeah, that's Robbie, true. As Robbie would say, can't spell paradise without the PA. Oh. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, thanks for being here. Sharon's going to ask you a few questions. We'll get started. And yeah. Yeah, so our famous one, like, uh, what led you to corrections? Well, it really wasn't planned, like a lot of us, I guess. Yes. Um, I was doing some social work and youth work stuff uh, and my best friend in the whole world, Brandy, uh, worked in corrections. Um, The youth work and social work that I was doing was not a lot of money and it was a lot of hard work. Uh, Often I found that we were working harder than our clients uh, and the money was pretty much shit. Um, So 
Brandy said, well, what about corrections, right? Mm-hmm. The money, the money's pretty good, EIFW. Um, and so, yeah, got the package, wrote the competition. Nice. What when did you that? start? Yeah, exactly. November of 2005. Oh, wow. So pre-uniform. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was, I just was thinking that I wondered when you started and if you started with the uniform and so, and you went to, where did we do our training again? Saskatoon. Is that where you Saskatoon. were too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were the first corps that did not get paid. Uh, oh, CTP. You didn't get your $113 every two weeks. <laughs> we did not. It like worked out um, to like $48. They actually, on our joining letters, they said they would pay our mileage to and from Saskatoon, which when we started at EIFW, they said, oh, we're not actually going to pay that. We used the wrong form. Uh, we used an old form. We're not paying you mileage. So oh. Brendan... <laughs> Brandon was the UCO president at that time and took it up and they ended up paying us nice some, some mileage. So I bought myself. What, what year, uh, did you just get that last week? Your mileage? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I still got it when I was at EIFW and bought myself a pair of earrings. So I'm like, these are my, my government oh, Academy purchase. Nice. Earrings. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I want to tell you about like my first week of OJT. Yes, okay. please. So uh, I'm on OJT and, you know, pretty green and, and working down on the secure unit and uh, going through the, into the secure unit where that, the doors, the air sealed doors or whatever. Um, and standing there with Lauren, she probably doesn't remember that I was there. But... I was like, fuck, I think this story might be about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tammy's in control and says on the radio, where's canoe (gasps) she's in the yard tammy says no she's not code green code green yeah Yeah, that's when we ran because she jumped the fence oh right so that's that's on the job training so you're not even really real yet and you're with and you were with lauren and you're responding to code green which is an escape attempt yeah yeah. And, and I so say attempt because go- of the inmate in question here. <laughs> <laughs> well, she got over two out of three fences. Yeah. We go out there, it's like dusk, dark, pretty much, and we're looking for her and we don't see anything. We don't see a person, but over there it looks like there's a garbage bag. Is right. It looked like a garbage bag floating. <laughs> like you know when the garbage bags stick up against the fence? That's what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold that was her sitting there so yeah yeah oh my god so okay what did she say to you guys when you guys went up to her and were like what are you doing right <laughs> I don't remember what she said I so, remember okay. she was yeah, in the jungle the lights oh right <laughs> remember she had lipstick in her pocket I I cuffed her and I, I said, yeah. what do you have in your pocket? And she said, I have lipstick in my pocket. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going out on the town. And she was bloody. Remember how bloody? Like, she was very, very, she went over razor wire. So she was yeah. pretty cut up. I remember her hands looked like ground beef. Yeah, it was oh so good. And, and, like, and Grace came out, remember? Grace came out the, the uh, A&D door and she yep. was just swearing at <laughs> just like what the fuck were you thinking rum jungle she wanted to go to rum jungle remember how rum jungle had those like lights on the top of like she had seen those when she was in the yard and she was like she didn't say she was like she said she was going wherever those lights were she knew she knew what it was but she couldn't remember the name the bar at the west edmonton mall or whatever oh my god we we laughed so hard like so and, awesome. but the crazy part was is like if anybody was like the person to have it control because not a single alarm went off oh no but and then we got the pizza pan after because of that but right remember sharon i sort of you but had not to really. go put it in between the right to make sure <laughs> It was on a stick. It was yeah. like a pizza yes. pan on a stick. And they, yes. So they tasked us 
they were like, oh, the alarms didn't work. So here's your new task, this pizza pan. And you have to put it, raise it up between to see if yes. the alarm would go off. Yeah. So yes. that was two, 2005, right? Yeah. Well, it probably took them a while to implement the <laughs> pizza pan, but close after. And you had, totally to, you had to clip it. about the pizza pan. Me too. Clip it to the fence to ground it and don't use it when it's storming out because you might get hit by lightning. Electrocuted. That's right. Yeah. They would say it's your responsibility to ground it. If you don't, you'll get electrocuted. And you were like, awesome. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't even believe it. Oh I God, can't I believe totally it. About the but I can believe it, right? Oh yeah, it was that yeah, that was oh god. Yeah, and I mean Tammy is very diligent in there. So she was always like watching and stuff. I mean, if it would have been me, I don't know if I would have caught that at all. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it was hard to see the cameras. And usually was ta was ta Tammy was in the main control. So usually you yes. don't even see that you don't even like see that area because you're busy right. doing other like you can see it rolling across but I mean but she busy. wasn't she wasn't like it's a busy post right and it's not on your main monitor to yeah, see yeah because it. it's, so it's really been... uh 21s to pay attention to who's in the yard right right yeah that's correct yeah. huh Oh yeah, what a day, what a day. And I remember so being be like fun. in the hospital, we had to call in like a nurse cause it was pretty, it was, it was about eight, it was dark. Like it was yeah. dark yeah. out. We had to call in a nurse and- Cause they wouldn't, and, they wouldn't send her out. Yeah, and we, my like, my gap, pa my gap <laughs> pants were covered in blood. I had to throw my gap pants. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, what, I uh, I do remember that, but I don't, I, I do remember you being That's there, so actually, awesome. That you say it. Oh, Especially because yeah. you're not even really started. So then no. you continued this long. So what did you think? Like, what were your thoughts? Because you, you're still with corrections now. So why do yeah. yeah. So what were your thoughts that night? Like, this is, this is fucked basically, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Yes. This is real. This is yes. real. Like, I mean, you walk into EIFW and, and it's beautiful and there's these, you know, cottage kind of houses and it's like not really, you know, some people are like, is this really jail? And then it's mm -hmm. like, holy crap, like this girl tried to go over or did go over two out of three fences and, and holy crap. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting week one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh yeah crazy crazy okay so you stay at EIFW when do you when do you leave EIFW so I left EIFW in 2012 Christmas mm -hmm. day of 2012 I started at the Healing Lodge in Maple Creek Saskatchewan yeah uh, Okamochi yeah so in about 2008 I started uh, acting as a correctional manager and then became an indeterminate correctional manager and then in early 2012, I uh, did a couple different things. I had shoulder surgery. Yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah, mm. so I was accommodated for a while. I did a, um, an assignment in labor relations. Um, and at the end of that, I put a call out for correctional managers to go to the healing lodge on travel status. Um, Which and, is beautiful. Right? <laughs> Which is lu lucrative lucrative yes. Yes. lucrative good word um but maple creek saskatchewan is where my mom was born and raised and i still have okay. a lot of ex extended family down there um i spent a lot of time down there growing up so i was familiar with it um i kind of wanted to get some aboriginal initiatives on my resume thought it was a great opportunity so yeah ended up going down there on travel status on christmas my first shift was christmas day um I mean, I'd spent a couple, I went out for kind of an orientation, spent a couple hours, basically the directions to the healing lodge or follow the three phase power lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's 32 kilometers up into the hills on a gravel road outside of town. Um, anyways, yeah, walked in there and was like, okay, let's do this. And coming from EIFW, I was in hindsight, quite wound up. Yeah. Um, right. And so it actually took a while to, to slow down and decompress a bit and, and kind of get into the get into the healing lodge groove. Um, I think their count there was about maybe 45 at the time. 
when I got there. And you went from a multi-level institution, right? To a minimum, yes. right? So for anyone well, that doesn't understand, she went from like a maximum security, maximum, maximum yeah. minimum or maximum medium for the most yeah. part. We didn't have a ton of minimums at the time, right? Well, and at that house. time, at that time when you went or when you started, the institution was hopping, like EIFW was busy with incidents all the time. And so, yeah, yeah our it was max, medium, minimum, two minimum houses inside. And so you transferred. And yeah. uh, were you part of the emergency response team at EIFW? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you, you transferred to a healing lodge, a healing environment with 40 inmates and you were hypervigilant, right? And all yeah. very low risk to reoffend, well, to escape, to... No. Yes. So the, yeah. the female healing lodges in Canada actually house medium and minimum women. Okay. Which is different than the men's because they only um, house minimums. So they actually have, yeah, medium and minimum, but still very low risk to reoffend. Uh, if they should escape, risk low risk to public safety. Yeah. Everybody is kind of, uh, uh, there's a process, an application process to go there. They have to be accepted, that kind of thing. So so and how long do you think it took you to like you know basically calm yeah. the fuck down probably three four months oh, okay mm -hmm. yeah yeah like it was because you're always waiting for the next like like when's the next shoe gonna drop or when's the next alarm or when's the it, what if yeah. this happens what if this happens and if like, this happens then i'll do this and if this happens yeah. then i'll go here and this is where i'll i'll escape here <laughs> like all of you yeah. right and you don't have you don't necessarily have to be in that mode all the time and you right. of course there's instances where you probably would have to do something like that like yeah or it's not like, like they don't fight with each other there it's women there's fighting well, they do <laughs> they totally do. i remember the one time when i don't remember who, when inmates are fighting but they were like and we always said like okay you don't get to vote people off the island this isn't survivor and That's i literally right. said let this be the reason that you don't come back here okay like if you cannot get along i'm like i would never go to prison because of number one i'm a law-abiding citizen but number two there's no fucking way i can live in any of these live, houses with yes. nine of you with like i would use. die like let that without committing thing, without committing a secondary crime right <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly oh god yeah just women in general there's that's just the nature of throwing them all mm -hmm. together right so yeah. i mean you do have to respond to things but not at at the capacity that yes. at eifw yeah 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 exactly cool so but it was amazing and yeah, it was amazing. amazing amazing beautiful yeah. um beautiful setting um aboriginal spirituality is is amazing and and to to learn alongside these women um about it and how it can help you in your life was was an amazing experience um yeah i feel blessed that i had that opportunity oh that's good um, awesome so yeah i was correctional manager there for two years or two and a half years. And then, um, I became the assistant deputy director. Um, uh, oh, so basically wow. the equivalent of the DW, um, on a one year acting assignment. Cool. Um, that's cool. Yes, I didn't know it, that. Yeah. It was an amazing opportunity again, but very different because, um, as much as when we started, we were parole officers as well as yeah. correctional officers. We, didn't do that much of the intervention side of the house. So I got to kind of appreciate more the um, programming, um, parole officer side, you know, working towards release. They do a lot of um, ETAs, UTAs, work release, community service there. So got to, got to kind of manage that or see that side of the house. Hmm. Um, so that was really interesting. So that was 2000. 2015 2016 I guess um and then in July of 2015 uh my big brother uh shot himself uh committed oh, no. suicide mm -hmm. um and so that was tough um in a, in a lot of ways um but one of the impacts that it had on my career is I didn't like managing people anymore. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, it was like, yeah, just, just dealing with other people and their, and them bringing their problems to you and making them your problems or, or, you know, I'm sorry, I'm late for work the eighth time this week, but like, really couldn't just schedule my shift later kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> you just had, your fuse was very short, the fuse. very, very short. Um, so yeah, so after his death, it kind of changed the, and he was, he was in Edmonton. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you were, you were separated. Yeah. Uh, at this point. So how to come back and forth and do a bunch of, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Drive the, the set, get in the truck and drive the seven hours while bawling your eyes out on the highway. Um, oh, no. yeah. So, uh, that was tough and it kind of changed, changed what, what I wanted with my career and what I could do with my career. Um, so in 2000, at did the end of 2000, leave? did you go take off for a little bit or did you, I took a month. Okay. Um, good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Good. I, I, I took a month. Um, which was kind of weird for me because usually it was like, I'll just, uh, you know, put your pant, big girl pants back on and get back to work and, and we'll deal with this later kind of thing. And it was like, no, you, you need to take the time and you need to sit with this and you need to do that. So I took a month off. Um, yeah. Um, and then at the end of 2016, I had an opportunity staffing sent me an email and said, are you still wanting to be in the SIO pool? security intelligence officer pool. I'd written the exam in 2013. Um, <laughs> and, they, <laughs> uh, and they had offered me, they'd offered me Edmonton institution between 2013 and 2016. And I said, uh, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but in, and they, they said, well, yes, yeah, Sask Saskatchewan Penitentiary is looking. Um, and my warden from the healing lodge Leanne had gone up to SAS Penn. And so I'm like, phoned her up and said, like, how come you didn't tell me you're looking for an SIO? And she said, well, like, I didn't even know you were in the pool or something. And I said, well, anyways, I said, well, I wouldn't mind trying it out, but I'm not willing to sign on the dotted line and move my life to Prince Albert and either hate Prince Albert or not like being an SIO or that kind yeah. of thing. So she said, well, come on an assignment. Um, you have to waive travel status this time. They weren't going to pay me. Yeah. <laughs> <Big buck>. um, <laughs> they, they, but, yeah. Their budget ran out last time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm. He said, you've reached your cap of money you've made off of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 2017, I came up here on assignment and had my first experience in a men's, men's prison and, and working in a men's max. And, oh, wow. and yeah. It was like kind of holy fuck. Yes. Um, and so you're there, you're still there now? Yes. Still okay. here, Prince Albert, uh, Saspen Max as an SIO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so what's the difference? I want, because yeah. Sharon shares her difference of like, yeah. Well, one of the biggest differences, nothing is a, nothing is a big deal in men's corrections. Mm -hmm. Like women's, women's corrections, um, they break a nail and everybody's you know it's a big it's not quite that but if they scratch themselves with a pin or staple on their arm it's it's a big deal mm -hmm. right like at, at, at the men's nothing and nothing is a big deal yeah <laughs> that's it's like that's what I found too or nothing is um an emergence like an immediate yes. the immediacy yes. is gone so and what I found for me is when that immediacy or that emergence is taken away, then you're not always on guard, like how we were at EIFW. We mm -hmm. were constantly waiting, like you said, for the other shoe to drop, or you can't just have a quiet shift, or don't say that. Don't say that it's a good day, because that means <laughs> yeah. this other thing is going to happen, right? So yeah. that's, yeah, that's one of the things I wish I would have known sooner, because then I, I don't know. I, I'm not one to live with regrets, but you kind of wonder if you would have stayed longer if you started out mm -hmm. in a men's medium, right? Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So, so many things I want to ask you. Uh, you were obviously impacted by your brother's suicide and you took mm -hmm. some time off and mm -hmm. 
as as the person who survives that kind of a incident, how does that impact or shape you into who you are now? Well, part of it is reinventing yourself. Um, yes. I'm not his little sister anymore. Yeah. Right. He, I mean, I am, but he's gone. And um, he was my big, you know, we were 18 months, 16 months apart. Um, he was my big brother. He was, a, he was a, a, a solid in my life for a very, very long time. And, and, you know, then that piece of my identity was kind of taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, so just accepting that and integrating that um, and, you know, coming around to the fact that you're still his little sister, you know, you're yes. always engaged, but um, just integrating that loss into your yes. life. And um, I mean, my, my mom passed away in 2003, I guess. So she's been gone a long time, but my dad is still alive. And, um, you know, he had to bury his son and um, he, at the time of the suicide, he couldn't manage. Mm-hmm. He basically said, Jill, I, I need you to, to do this. And one of the things that um, through being a manager in CSC, you take crisis management training, you learn how to manage crisis, you um, are in charge, you have to make decisions without emotions. Um, so immediately when, um, or very shortly after when my brother killed himself, I went into crisis management mode. It yeah. was a matter of um, what needs to happen? How is it gonna happen? Um, you know, nav- navigating some relationships between his girlfriend and my family, um, planning the funeral, um, IDing his body, taking possession of his guns from the police, um, all these managing my family, notifying people, um, but it was very much crisis management mode. There was no time for emotion for me. Mm. There was a job to do and you needed to get, um, you needed to get through it uh, and come out the other side into your new normal. And so partly I'm grateful for that, but partly I think it stunted my emotional processing of it. Um, I didn't have, I remember at the funeral, one of his friends came up to me and said like, you know, how are you? It's okay to fall apart. It's okay to, to let it out. And I said to him, like, I can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. Like I've still got I've still to do. Like yeah. there's, there, there's no time for that now. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the ways that corrections uh, has affected my life and I don't necessarily like it. And I'm yes. still searching for how to balance how do we and how do the other officers that come after us, how do you how do you balance standing in front of a cell, which we did so many times, and watch somebody slash up yes. and not not have the natural, emotional, physical, visceral emotions to that, and yet go home to your family and 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 turn on those emotions, turn on those. Right. Yeah. Like I, I would love for that question or that's maybe a skill I need to, to find out or learn or figure out. Uh, um, uh, there's this uh, amazing person. You would really love her, Jillian. Her name is uh, Cynthia uh, Hamilton Burkhart. And she came to my retreat. She's actually uh, for, uh, uh, our ex-RCMP officer diagnosed with PTSD. Her husband's uh, 25 year, 33 year RCMP diagnosed PTSD, but she does this amazing talk where she actually like puts you in and she doesn't do it with any sort of um, like PowerPoint presentation or anything. She just does it with her body and she takes you on a ride along with an RCMP officer and basically says like, here's what I have to do. I I've come into a, a, a car accident that's a drunk driver. He's killed his sister. I know the parents of both of these children. Here's how I, I can't stand the smell of your daughter's blood all over the highway. And now I have to hold it together because people have pulled up 
on this accident. I'm the RCMP officer. I have to do this. And she basically Mm -hmm. like walks you through like, and how you become so hard and so whatever. And then you are expected to just go on. Right. Like, and not process these sort of emotions. And, and she just, she kind of really put it. And because our retreat was for spouses, she put it in response to spouses. Cause it's like, I don't want to come home and have that conversation with you after I just went through all of this. Yeah. It might be something I talked to you in a couple of days about, but really like, I'm going to just hold that all in as long as I possibly can until it bubbles over into my own life, because I have, I only have so much capacity to hold to these deal. things down. It was so beautifully done. Like she She's actually writing a memoir and I'm like, can't wait to read it. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, she really talks about like that. How do you. Well, cause it's the, like we compart we, we put it somewhere, we compartmentalize it and then it's here, but it, it never like all of the stuff that we witnessed, right. All of the trauma, all of the, um, we, we've never really like let it out. Right. And it's I'm like, it. yeah. And it's mm. just in there until it affects another area like in your little yeah. boxes in your head this this part so it's going dong right that then you're not sleeping then you're a bitch then you're all kinds of stuff is other stuff is happening physical physical symptoms start to manifest right and so yeah. that's like a huge one and that's sort of why like lauren and i even do the podcast because it's like we want people to recognize the symptoms before they get to the places like we were, you were, you know, the uh, other people who came before us. And we also like, we want the Correctional Service of Canada or the organizations to say, <laughs> we were just saying this, Lauren, right? People will say, well, you signed up for that. Well, actually, like I didn't sign up to see blood and I didn't sign up to say, because if somebody said, you're going to sign up for this, it's going to give you this lifetime of trauma do you want to work here like nobody would say yes yes I do I'd love to see you like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so yeah I like I want not only for us to recognize and be aware and take better care but I want this other organization to say these are things that help help you take care of like mental health awareness like take care of yourself uh do this stuff that's gonna help you right and it won't help everybody. Yeah, it won't help everybody. It, but no. there's there's things in place that offer some sort of self-awareness to say, check in, check in. Yes. So when did you realize that that's the mode that you were in and then that you had to go through all of this? I don't know. It was kind of piece by piece. And, and after my brother's suicide, just looking at uh, kind of what, what corrections has has given me and and the good and the bad um yeah and that, that's what what i wish the service would do better is invest in our mental health um they teach us how to handcuff inmates they teach us how to escort inmates they mm-hmm. they put us through training um once a year your national training standards you know you're expired in this mm-hmm. um, can't work that post because you need to get your training well they don't there's not really much for taking care of ourselves they did implement the road to mental readiness in about 2015-16 which is a great program it's actually offered by a lot of different government agencies it was developed by the department of national defense um and i was actually a trainer for it um and there's a lot of great things in there however it was a one-time one-day once in your career program. Um, so if, you, if you've been in 20 years from now, you're probably not going to remember what you learned in that class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and right in 20 years ago, we never had it. So you had to come no. in in 2015. And I, I'm yeah. sure it's not the same as fire training. If you missed it, you missed it. So <laughs> sorry for you, right? Like, sorry for your luck. Yeah, or like when and, we had that, when we had mental health training awareness, I remember that training. Um, it was developed for the inmates so that we were more yes yeah and I remember too because there's a whole bunch of us that didn't get the training or didn't get to complete the training but it wasn't for us anyways it was for you to say recognize this in you know this inmate did we we do that training in the hummingbird room 
Well, we, my particular group had the training and then we got kicked out of it. We, we all got kicked <laughs> out of the training and we were sent back to EIFW to get yelled at by the deputy warden because she said we were being inappropriate. So we were thrown out of the training. Were you? So yes, there was a group of us. <laughs> you were inappropriate tossed. though? We were like... <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, but... <laughs> so you you really fucked everybody over from I fucked the whole yeah so now we didn't know but it's like do I need a class to tell me or a program to tell me that this inmate who's holding a razor blade or has hung herself you know she might not be all there like mentally I don't need a class to tell me that right I'm like you do need a class to tell you that you're not all there that I'm not all there because and we're these, very good at recognizing it exactly. in other people because yes. and like and I'm not going to go to that extreme where I'm holding you know a razor blade to my neck I'm going to do something that's equally as stupid or dangerous but I'm not going to recognize it because the people that I'm with think it's pretty funny if I'm you know having a few drinks uh crawling down White Avenue hammered or <laughs> we haven't seen her for 17 hours. I hope she's a, like, you know, the other people I'm with who are going through their shit are thinking I'm pretty funny, right? Like, yeah, good. She's good. She's funny. Yeah. But am I good? Like at the end of the day, like, no, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And how, how their behavior shows up is very different than, you know, a pro-social law-abiding contributing citizen's behavior shows up, right? Because we don't, alcohol is totally normal there's that there's that um it's a a instagram reel that's like everybody always wants to know why you don't drink why like it's always like if you don't drink everybody wants to know why why don't you drink it's like yes right so yeah it was and it was prevalent and i mean still probably is but yeah Mm -hmm. okay so you're so all of that happens at 2000 is it 2015 you said 15 yeah 15 yeah crazy and then it takes you a while to realize like okay I didn't grieve this yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. and obviously there's there will always be a loss there there will always be a void but how did you kind of just because I think this is really important because it's not just you know being a first responder there's other shit going on in other people's lives right like I know lots of people who have babies who then deal with postpartum and then, mm-hmm. you know, something happens. I, and I, I said this on a podcast, I was on a podcast yesterday and I've never really put the two pieces together, but within the first month of, um, being a corrections officer. And I mean, to the day. So I started on actually there was like 10 days. So I started on August 9th and on September 19th, my grandma, like my best friend in the entire world died. And my boyfriend broke up with me, like in the, in like the first like 40 days of being a corrections officer, I've worked probably 1700 hours. Um, my boyfriend breaks up with me. I have, you know, like I have a new roommate. I have like all of these significant events are happening. And then my grandma dies and I, I, I don't leave work because I'm new to work. There's no possible way I could get the day off work to go see my grandma and then she dies before I even get there. So the things that happen, it's not just corrections, it's life, right? It's, it's like, life. Yeah. but we have, you know, this big significant job that is, is hard to do on a regular basis, but then there's also a million other things happening mm-hmm. um, that even aren't related to it, but are also affecting how we show up at work and how we show up at home and, yes. and, so I'm, I'm going to say that we never stop grieving the people we love. I, I know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how, how did you kind of get through it to say like, okay, Jill, this happened, this is part of your story, but it can't be the thing that holds you back or the thing that st- is stuck with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I kind of, um, I mean, I don't know if I have the answer. It's still a journey. It's yes. uh it, you know, and along the way, I've learned a lot of things. I've done a lot of work um, in terms of, you know, I have to make the best life for myself that I can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how do I do that? And what does that mean? And, um, you know, there's things that, that are helpful and there are things that are hurtful. Um, 
you know, like drinking can be a lot of fun, but you wake up like a bag of shit for the next three days. And is it helpful or is it hurtful? Trying to live a healthy life, diet and exercise, right? right. And one of the things for me is not working shift work anymore. Yes. Um, that's a big, you know, regular routine, appropriate sleep. Mm. Um, sleep is a big priority in my life, right? Like I need my, I do not function well and I do not present well to the world if I don't get my sleep. Oh, yeah. you know, me too. Me I, too. And I never, I used to be the person that like got that high off the, I don't need sleep. I can, yeah. I'm totally yeah. fine. Right. Like, I, and, yeah. and really you, you it's not that you didn't need sleep. It's just, you didn't get sleep. So you just pretended like you didn't need it. Right? Well, yeah. Because and I mean, working 16 hour shifts and driving a half an hour. And turning, home, well, and turning that down. around for your yeah. day shift the next morning. Like it, it's, it's, yeah. it's hard. And like, and you're right, Jill, like I, I thought that was a beautiful answer because you, you're, the healing is, is a lifelong journey and giving yourself di good diet, exercise, sleep, that helps in so many other ways, right? And recognizing an awareness of things. Like, I think that that part is huge. And when we speak to people who are dealing with PTSD, trauma, that's like a huge part of it. Like lots of people, <laughs> the exercise or the yoga, whatever it may be, whatever, get out, getting outside. Like I even find, cause I work from home now that just even getting outside of the house, like you feel like the weight lifting, right? And it's yeah. like, sometimes you don't, leave the house and you start to do things that are stupid right that aren't helpful I'll share something interesting so I'm part of uh, an advisory board for first responders and spouses through PSP um, and we had a meeting the other day and uh, we have this company that's putting and I don't even know if I'm going to say this anyways uh, that's putting together these um, videos and the interesting thing is that like they use all this language and I'm like, oh no, don't use that. And we all like jump on and say like, no, you can't. Right. Yeah. And so they came on and I, I have a friend in Calgary who, who's going through something. And she said to me the other day, she's like, if my therapist tells me to write in a fucking gratitude journal one more time, yeah. <laughs> I am going to punch her in the face. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of, so then this conversation actually went to, what if it's not about like getting outside? What if we presented as just do one thing today. Mm -hmm. If that means you brush your teeth, if that yes. means you get yeah. out of the bed, if that mm -hmm. means you go for a walk outside, if that means you call a friend, it's not, it's not like, cause that's what everyone says. Oh, I know I need to eat better. I'm don't talk to me. Like I'm an idiot. Right. Like I know right. that that's not, like very, and if you've got to but, any yeah. sort of therapy or gone through this personal development process you know those things right so like we were just like saying like what if we just presented as like if you say Different, you're going to yeah. get out of bed that day get out of bed that day right like mm -hmm. even if it's like to walk around the room and then you go back into bed you did the thing you said you were going to do right and some days are harder well, than others totally we all know that because well and and like as a parent of a, a teenager like when you know there's these things that sh that are happening for her and I go you know like what you said, write in a journal or, you know, you, you've got to breathe. It's like <laughs> the, the eye rolling. So then I think to myself, no, that's, that doesn't work, but this is what works. Like if I say, go and check the mailbox, like, so you take a, like, so really she's going outside, the sun's on her face. She's going to the mailbox, doing a task and coming back. Like it's, it's, it's reframing the way I parent too, because she's just as irritated if I say, what are you grateful for? But if I put her in my car and I'm like, let's turn the music up, you know, within minutes, like you could see whatever the angst, like who the fuck knows what it is, but whatever is going on for her is changing. And it's not because I said, let's say what we're great. You know, it's more because you got to get in there and speak their language, right? And say, but, but we're doing the same things. We're still putting, we're getting out of that the bed or getting out of the house or getting the sunshine on her face. We're putting the music on, which is like amazing for her and me. And mm -hmm. then she's talking and we're getting to the, to the heart of it and saying, I'm so happy because we can see the mountains. I'm so happy. I love this song, but where I'm not saying, 
tell me 10 things you're grateful for and take some deep <laughs> breaths, Summer, right? She's <laughs> tucking and rolling and out she's, the door. Exactly. She she's like, fuck <laughs> off. Like, out she goes. Or the eye, the eye roll into the back of the head, right? <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, uh, before we go, I just want to ask you um, a couple things. So uh, we, we kind of touched on why you stay. And uh, Welton, like when we met you at the start of 2005, what, what do you think is something people tend to misunderstand or misinterpret about you? Like, I think that people think I'm a hard ass, um, that I'm yeah. not, and, and in some ways I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a lot of tolerance for bullshit, never have. I hate when people waste my time, um, but I'm fair, right? Like, mm-hmm. or I think I'm fair anyways. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not. Um, <laughs> You're going to get, we're going to get some comments on this one. Yeah, we're going to get some comments. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I've never had that, that big of tolerance for bullshit, right? Like, yeah. it's it just, I don't yeah it's just like I'm don't waste my time it's get to the point let's let's go and um so yeah you know there is a soft side of me in there somewhere I don't show it all that often but Mm -hmm. but it is there and um yeah that's a good answer I I like that answer yeah Yeah, same I I know you to be like very I don't want to say it like regimented Mm -hmm. stoic yeah stoic yes that's yeah that's what I, I like that I like that you said that heart because that's how I would view you before I got to know you better right like she's hard that's the rule it's that's yeah. how we're that's how we do it right she's a rule follower I, I'm not a rule, rule follower, follower. <laughs> like, no yeah. and I'm married to a police officer <laughs> so you can only imagine how that mm-hmm. goes most of the time <laughs> Like I love policy. We don't need to think about this. What does policy say? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's something good, good with that because you yeah. don't have to say it's, it's not really my decision, right? That's the policy. Right. It's not, yeah. I'm not making a decision from like that. It's funny you say that because the new job, it's like, that's like my number one go-to line. That's the policy. If I could help you, I would, right? Because sometimes you may have that but you can't go around helping everyone. You can't go around saying, here's a bunch of money back or here's this thing for you. So it's not, it's good to say that, right? Because then it's, it takes, like, it's not even responsibility. It takes your, I don't know, heart out yeah. of it. That's, yeah. it, it is, that's the way it is, man. <laughs> Sharon's favorite, favorite line. And it's just spend a lot of time and energy. It is my favorite. <laughs> That's it, yeah, policy. you spend a lot of time you. and energy sure. fighting. It's it would be like Trevor having to go to court all the time, right? It's like, yes. well, you broke the law, so here yes. we are, and we're gonna go. Yeah. We're gonna do this back and forth, but at the same time, right. you broke the law. So, like, yeah, it's that's yeah. exactly it. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Amazing. Yeah, crazy. Well, yeah. this this was awesome. It was so good to reconnect. And yeah, I agree. yeah it was such a good conversation and, and important too for people to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we don't know, we never know what's what's actually going on in someone else's head or mind. Yes. Um, yes. And and what lives what what life they have lived. Yes. Um, and what has made up part of our stories. So I mean, mental health is definitely something that we need to talk about more and destigmatize, and um, yeah. And one of the things I, I wanted to mention from the R2MR course that I was teaching that was really impactful for me yeah. is that um, you're not either mentally well or mentally ill. There's a whole lot of shit in life in between those two polar opposites. Um, mm-hmm you know, like, and, and a lot, it's a, it's a journey of, of how you, how you get to struggle and how you get to a point where things aren't good. Um, the earlier you can reach out for help, the better life doesn't come with an instruction annual. Um, 
<clears throat> we don't know how to parent. We don't know how to be spouses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like, so sometimes reaching out for help and, and getting another opinion or another perspective uh, can pay a lot of, a lot of dividends in the end. So that's my advice. And that's yeah. like, that is such a big thing. Uh, even I work with business owners and lots of times I'm like, okay, well, have you asked for help? Mm-hmm. no they'll know they'll know I don't know what I'm doing nobody knows what they're doing my friend we and, just went through a freaking pandemic and like yeah. nobody and if you watch the government on tv lately they don't even know nobody <laughs> knows what nobody doing. knows like and it's it's so- actually it's better to come across that way to be a little bit more vulnerable to say yes. I need help or I don't get this or how can I how can I be a better me too? How can I be a better yeah. person? How can I be a better mom or whatever it may be, right? It's, yeah. And this I, is where, and this is where like people inadvertently get to ask for help. They come listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, oh, maybe this yes. person has something to share. And and I'm hoping that it's the gateway to say, yeah, I can ask for help. There's other people. And when you feel like you belong, right? Like right. To a group of people who are doing yes. this work and are talking about that. It's like, okay, it's okay for me to do the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Great conversation. Lady. Yes. So we pre- it was awesome. We appreciate you joining us today. Yeah. Well, thanks ladies for the opportunity yeah. to tell my story. Yeah. That's very good. Awesome. All right. See you ladies later. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Uniforms to Unicorns uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day. Love, Lauren and Sharon.